Hey, Paolo, look, you were a great fighter, no doubt about that. But look, we got to face the facts, too. You don't want to believe it, but maybe the show is over. And that's easy for you to say you're still on top. What happens when you're not on top? Then what? Where do we go, Stallion? Because we sure as hell can't be born again. No, no, we can't be born again, but, you know, let's face it, we, we, we got to change sometime. I don't want to change, man. I like who I am. I like who you are, too, but look at that, you know? You don't want to believe this, but that, that ain't us up there no more, pal. We can't do that the way we did it before. We're, we're, we're changing. We're, we're, like, turning into regular people. Nah, Stallion. Maybe you think you're changing. But you can't change what you really are. And you can forget all this money and stuff you got all around you, man, because it don't change a thing. You and me, we don't even have a choice. See, we're born with a killer instinct that you can't just turn off and on like some, some radio. We have to be right in the middle of the action because we're the warriors. And without some, some challenge, without some damn war to fight, then the warrior may as well be dead, Stallion. scene from Rocky IV, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed. We lost him this week. That's uh, probably one of my uh, favorite scenes of him. You know, Carl Weathers did lots and lots of other uh, other um, roles, but Rocky Rocky uh, one, Rocky two, II, Rocky three, II, Rocky four. Uh, he dies in Rocky four, and uh, and that's the character I will always remember Carl Weathers for. Uh, what an inspiration! And um, you know, hey, I want to give a tribute to to uh, Apollo Creed, and he, you know, of course, he set off the uh, the uh, the new spinoff of, for Creed because they created the uh, the Creed the Creed uh, movies as uh, supposedly that uh, Adonis Creed is a illegitimate son of Apollo, so. We'll always remember uh, Carl Weathers for Apollo Creed, and we will miss that guy. What a what a what a body! What a what an actor um, that he had in the first four Rocky movies. We also lost more more close to my heart, Toby Keith this week. Toby Keith, uh, Don and I have seen Toby Keith about 10, 10 15 times at ver- at all kinds of different venues. Um, Actually, uh, December, uh, he did his last three concerts in Las Vegas. And while I was prepping 
the the shows were going on sale. I was sitting here in the in the studio uh, on the on the computer while I was supposed to be prepping my show, trying to get tickets when they went on sale. And of course, uh, uh, they sold out almost instantly. And Don and I end up going to the to the third uh, the third show on uh, Thursday the fourteenth, um, and paying like six hundred dollars a seat because we knew that you know this might be the last chance to see him and it you know price was no no object and i i picked that i picked that song how do you like me now because i haven't used it on the radio but i could have used any ones like some of the early ones like this i should have been a cowboy i should have learned to roll around or this one it looked like a place to find some satisfaction with a little less talk and a lot more action or this one. I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. I wish I could start this whole thing over again. I'm not saying that you've ever been true. I just don't want to know how it ends. Or how about this one? That's my house. That's my car. That's my Or some of my favorite songs to sing when we're doing karaoke. Or this one. You know I got it. Come and get it. Who's your daddy? Who's your baby? Who's your buddy? Or this one. I ain't as good as I once was. I got a few years on me now. But there was a time back in my prime when I could really lay it down. Some of our favorite drinking songs. I love this bar. Or this one. Red Solo Cup, I fill you up. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. Or how about this one? What would it hurt? Pull off that shirt. Hey, we've already come this far. Get out of your clothes. I'll get out of my car. And every husband's anthem. I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually. But occasionally, I want to talk about me. Or I could use any of the patriotic songs that I've used on the radio many times. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list. And a statue of Liberty started shaking. Of the red, white, 
Or this one. He's got the red, white, blue, blind, high on the farm. Simplified tattooed on his left arm. Spent a little more in the store for a tag in the back of this USA. He won't buy nothing that he can't fix. With WD-40 and a craftsman wrench, he ain't prejudiced. He's just made in America. Or the most emotional, patriotic song that he ended almost all of his concerts with. I will always do my duty, no matter what the price. I've counted up the cost, I know the sacrifice. Oh, and I don't want to die for you, but if dying's asking me, I'll bear that cross with honor, because freedom don't come free. I'm an American soldier, an American, beside my I will proudly take a stand When liberty's in jeopardy I will always do what's right I'm out here on the front lines Sleep in peace tonight American soldier I'm an American Yes, Toby Keith was a patriot he was two months older than me when he died. This guy never hesitated to speak his mind. He always he always said at the end of his concerts, never apologize for being patriotic. This guy was a great patriot, sang about our country, sang for our country. He sang about the strength of our country. He, he dedicated two weeks every year to the USO to go perform in front of our uh, our soldiers and at concerts when he started doing this his last few songs he'd bring veteran he'd say hey, if you're a veteran come on up on stage and they'd just come up and hang out with him and dance and and sing with him and uh this guy was awesome uh he was also one of the one of the few that actually said i'm gonna sing at trump's inauguration party and that's incidentally the the last, uh, the the worst seats I ever had to see Toby Keith sing, because we were way the hell away from the Lincoln Memorial. It was a great show, and uh, you know Toby Keith, this guy is going to be sorely missed by me and my wife for sure, and I know all of you. Uh, hey, rest in peace, buddy. We'll see. Uh, we'll see you on the other side. So, with all that, let's talk about let's talk about what's happening this week. I'm going to do an abbreviated. Uh, introduction for those of you that don't know me of who I am. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need refinancing, you need to purchase a house, you need to do a reverse mortgage. If you need to do it in California or another state, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll do the cyber thing. And if you have comments on the ra- on the show, please uh, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Um, if you miss any part of the show, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net on the podcast page. You can also subscribe for free on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, or uh, you know iTunes, whatever they 
the little purple thing on your phone and uh, just search Ed Hoffman, the main event, and you can uh, subscribe for free. It'll down, it'll uh, download to your device once a week after we upload it. So let's talk about what's going on uh, uh, going on on the in this country this week. Uh, there were multiple fails for our country this week, starting with the failure to pass anything meaningful on immigration. On Wednesday, Senate Republicans failed to pass the supplemental spending agreement that has been in negotiations with Democrats for months. As you may recall, the package includes aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, and a little, little tiny bit for the border. Supposedly, it also includes an ambitious border security and immigration package, but since its release on Sunday, it drew widespread opposition from conservative Republicans in both chambers. In other words, it was dead on arrival. The bill, which needed 60 votes to pass, ended up losing 49 to 50. The votes towed the party lines with these exceptions. Five Democrats voted no for their own bill. Alex Padilla of California, Bob Menendez of, of New Jersey, er, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas of Massachusetts, Ed Markey of Massachusetts, and Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Four Republicans who voted yes, who voted yes on it are the usual suspects, the turncoats, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine, Mitt Romney of Utah, and James Lankford of Oklahoma, who Mitch McConnell put in charge of negotiations on the Republican side. Maybe not the best choice, Mitch. Didn't do uh didn't actually sound like he was negotiating for the Republicans. Let's talk about why this bill failed. Starting with the money. $118 billion package. Remember, this was 105 billion. Then it was 106. Then it was 109, and uh, then it was 111. And now it's 118, 118 billion dollars. 60 billion for Ukraine, 14 billion for Israel, 9 billion for humanitarian assistance in Gaza, and more for Ukraine. Does any of that sound like it's going to help our southern border? I don't think so. $4 billion for Taiwan and the Indo-Pacific, including $2 billion to replenish what we've already given them in weapons to help them stay independent of China. And yes, $20 billion for the border, so we can hire more agents to process people as opposed to stopping them from coming in. Kristen Sinema, formerly Democrat, now independent of Arizona, was considered a key bipartisan negotiator over the past four months. Here's what she had to say when the bill failed to pass on Wednesday. And by the way, this is essentially the same thing that James Langford has been saying as well. What our bill does do is close the border during times of high traffic. I do want to note, every single day this year, the border would have been closed had my bill become law. Every single day this year. Yeah, she means the border could have been closed if Biden wanted it to. Technically, she's right, but it's only if Biden wanted to use those powers. From the Hill on Monday, under the headline, Five Things to Know About the Senate Border Bill. First and foremost, it doesn't really shut down the border. Biden pledged to shut down the border if given the authority to do so late last month, as talks were drawing to a close and pressure was growing on negotiations to release a working product. While the phrase shut down the border means different things to different people, it was clear from the context of his remarks that Biden meant it as the authority to stop processing asylum applications. The Senate proposal would give him just that. It would create a border emergency authority that allows the Secretary of Homeland Security to summarily remove from and prohibit, in whole or part, entry into the United States, foreign nationals who enter between the border ports of entry. And try to follow this because most of this doesn't make any sense. That authority would be optional if the cumulative seven-day average of the Border Patrol encounters is between 4,000 and 5,000 a day, and mandatory if the average exceeds 5,000. The mandatory authority would also kick in any single day with more than 8,500 encounters. So let's see. 
if it's supposed to be mandatory after 5,000, why does it automatically kick in after 8,500 encounters? Maybe that means it's uh, that Biden can do that, but after 8,500 encounters, it's it's mandatory. Wait a minute. He has the presidential authority to close the border only if the encounters are more than 4,000 a day. But even if that's optional, it's under 5,000 a day. But then the mandate would also kick in after any more with any any day with more than 8500 am i missing something here i'm not sure this uh, and of course we all know that biden has the authority now he could do it by executive action so that's the first problem the other problem is they're still going to force border agents to process plenty of asylum requests from the same story in the hill okay so that's the first problem the other problem is that they're still going to force border agents to process plenty of asylum requests from the same story in the hill Border officials would also be obligated to process at least 1,400 asylum requests a day at the ports of entry during during an emergency. So if we shut down the border, they still got to let 1,400 people in at the ports of entry. So this bill does not actually shut down asylum claims, and therefore does not shut down the border. We'll get to more more of that in the minute in a minute. But first, let's talk about the Democrats who voted against the bill and why did they vote no? Bob Menendez and Alex Padilla were upset that the negotiations excluded the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. They didn't like that Chris Murphy of Connecticut was the lead negotiator for the Democrats. So we have a uh, we have a, a border deal with Mexico, and they didn't include any of the Mexican uh, people that are uh, on in the in Congress. Another complaint from the Dems who voted no is that the Dreamer part of the bill favors children of migrants from a specific country because it's not the countries most migrants are coming from. The bill would favor documented dreamers, people who were brought over legally as children because their parents were on legal work visas. What's the Democrats' problem with that? Reportedly, it's the fact that most of those dreamers are, and their parents are from India. So the bill favors people who came over here legally. And those people are from India because people from Mexico don't come in legally. Left doesn't like that because, as The Hill says, if the Indian nationals are the immigration immigrant group most benefited by the bill then mexicans are getting the short end of the stick well that's because they didn't come over legally about half of the 10 million undocumented immigrants in the united states are mexican and about 62 percent have lived in the united states for more than a decade so uh for sure we want to make sure that we spend our money taking care of people who came in here illegally regardless of these small disagreements Chris Murphy wants Democrats to recognize that he did his part to stick to the re- stick it to the Republicans in these negotiations. Obviously, Murphy told the Hill, "The bill the bill doesn't include many Republican priorities. There's no expansion of expedited removal in this bill. There's no increased detention authority, and there's no transit ban, and there's no return of Title 42. Exactly. James Langford didn't exactly do his part to get anything meaningful in this bill." Hey, the Republicans have James Lankford in there uh, arguing for them, and he didn't do any didn't do any of that. And that's why John Kennedy of Louisiana said the bill was DOA from the moment it was released. Here's Senator Kennedy with Martha McCallum on Wednesday. Well, for several days, Martha, um, the border bill has been dead. It's been it's been as dead as Woodrow Wilson, um, I, and now it's official. We just finished voting. There will be some who will want to continue to talk about this bill. It's their right, but I think they'll just be grooming a corpse. How we got here is no mystery. 
Some of my Democratic colleagues say Republicans welched on a deal. There was no deal to welch on. As part of the supplemental bill, we, uh, we asked to have some border provisions explored that might slow President Biden's open border down. Leader McConnell appointed James Lankford to do that. He did the best he could negotiating uh, with people who support an open border. He brought the product back to us in the Republican conference in the Senate. And we said, James, we appreciate your hard work, mm -hmm. but this is not sufficient. And that's what happened. And essentially it lays out authorities, uh, authorities that the president already had and authorities to spend money. And that's the whole thing with Democrats is, is it's not about results. You know, hey, if you want us to do something, just give us more money. Just give us more money. And doesn't matter if the program actually stops stops the uh, the open border. It just matters how much money we throw at it. Meanwhile, one of the most prominent voices against Biden's open border was actually in favor of this bill. He's not in Congress, but he knows firsthand what the Border Patrol is up against. National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd. So there are plenty of weaknesses in here, but there's there's also a lot of strengths. And and when you look right now, what we're currently dealing with, um, this is a slow month, and we're dealing with 6,700 apprehensions on a daily basis. What this would do is it would cap it to where we couldn't take anything more than 5,000. Now, this does not say that we're going to release 5,000 people into the United States. In fact, it's it's the exact opposite. It says that we will hold single adults in custody. Um, they will not be subject to release. I, and so that is a huge deterrent. That will deter an awful lot of people from crossing our borders illegally. We know that the main magnet that, that people cross our borders is because they're going to be released into the United States. Once you stop that magnet, you will, you will stop an awful lot of people from coming. So although it's not perfect, it is a step in the right direction. And I would rather have the step in the right direction than nothing and consign me to what the status quo is. Yeah, except that you have one little benefit there that might work. And... And in order to pass it, you have to give $60 billion to Ukraine and and uh, all this other money to all these other areas that aren't going to work. And we just spend money and spend money and spend money, and it doesn't accomplish anything. Senate Republicans disagree with uh, Brandon Judd uh, because they know that all these provisions only matter if Joe, if Joe Biden actually follows them. And everyone knows he won't. Here's more from John Kennedy. This bill would have required President Biden. It was given him enormous discretion. And I don't think he cares. And when somebody acts like they don't care, sometimes it's not an act. This president, for example, Kirsten talked about the president's emergency powers. The president had emergency powers if he chose to use them. Yeah, and he already has those now. Supposedly, this bill would make it tougher for migrants to stay here by claiming asylum. Chris Murphy told The Hill, it raises the screening standard for asylum claims to make sure that people who apply for asylum are the ones that are likely to get it. It gives near-immediate work permits for asylum seekers so that we won't have to have migrants who can't work sleeping on the streets or crowding homeless shelters. Basically, it would change the screening standard for asylum. It would be up to each asylum officer's determination whether a prospective asylee has a reasonable possibility of attaining asylum status. My my uh my thought is why don't we change that to people that legitimately have asylum, you know that it's instead of who's likely to get approved it should be you know which asylum claims are legitimate, you know kind of kind of like the uh, it kind of reminds me of this clip from the movie The Terminal. 
You can go to New York City tonight, but you only get to go if we can establish a credible fear. Fear? Mm -hmm. Fear. 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 From what? Well, that's the best part. It doesn't really matter what you're afraid of. It's all the same to Uncle Sam, okay? So I'm going to ask you one question, Victor, and it's a simple question. And if you give me the correct answer, I can get you out of this airport tonight. So I answer one question. Mm -hmm. Go to New York City uh -huh. tonight. 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 Uh, uh. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Do you, at this time, have any fear of returning to your own country? Uh, no. And that's if everybody's asking, answering uh, honestly. That's probably what most of them would say, except for they got people there coaching them and say, say, yes, you got fear to return to your own country. And in you go. We don't have we don't ever ask why. Who, what is your fear? What is your fear of that? Why would you be fearing this? And if you came from somewhere other than Mexico or Canada, why are you at our border instead of the border next to your country? Hey, I'm all out of time for uh, this half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports and commercials. And I'll be right back with lots, lots more from this week. to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio, but that's what I do for uh, six days and 23 hours the rest of the week when I'm uh, not on the radio. So if uh, if you uh, have a, a need to uh, check out what you can do with your, uh, with your home equity in the terms of uh, making your debts go away uh, or making them easier to pay, or if you want to pick up a piece of property in uh, California or an escape from California property in another state, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or uh, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. We'll do the uh, the cyber thing. That uh, song was uh, Toby Keith with uh, Willie Nelson, uh, Beer for My Horses. You know, I'll tell you that uh, Whiskey for My Men, Beer for My Horses, Tequila for My Fans, Beer for My Horses. 
I've uh, ingested a lot of Patron tequila at Toby Keith concerts over the last several years, and uh, that's going to be an experience that we won't be able to repeat anymore. Rest in peace, buddy. So uh, before the before the uh, break, we were talking about the immigration bill that really doesn't stop anything for immigra- immigration, uh, and we talking about all the all the the dumb rules in it, why that's not going to work, and why some people didn't vote for it. James Lankford, who was uh, negotiating on the on the half on behalf of the Republicans, uh, not not doing a very good job. He made a long speech before the vote that said the bill would make sure that the wall gets built, and that's why Republicans should support it. I think he's really a Democrat planted with a Republican in the Republican Party to uh, to negotiate this thing for the Democrats. Well, even that's not true. From the office of Mike Lee, Senator Lee re- releases the dirty dozen disasters in the so-called border deal. I'm going to read a couple of them that uh, that caught my eye. So there's uh, no immediate funding for the wall. The bill claims to give $650 million for the building the border wall. This is a budgeting gimmick without any new money. The bill would simply rescind current money and then put it in back in the in with a later date, fiscal year 2028, so that President Biden and Secretary Mayorkas don't have to build any wall and can delay spending money on the border wall. And it delays it till fiscal year 2028. So in other words, it pulls the money out that's already allocated for the wall and then puts it back in fiscal year 2028. So even our new our 47th president, Donald J. Trump, won't be able to build the border wall. He won't have the money allocated. We'll have to start over with that. And... I'm not. I don't sure that. I'm sure that. I don't think that's a, a Republican way. Uh, maybe he's just trying to sabotage uh, Trump. He's probably one of those guys that are uh, in there just to make sure that the swamp lives on. Another loophole is it doesn't count any unaccompanied alien children from non-contiguous countries. So any unaccompanied kids from any country other than Mexico or Canada aren't even counted. So you get people coming in and they bring uh, and they they shove in some unaccompanied kids and tell the kids to say they're from another country and they don't count them. Then they can uh, turn into human trafficking victims or sent to places where they're uh, working sweatshops. Uh, I don't know. It also allows the reopening of the border once encounters are at 75 percent of the number that caused the shutdown. So if the number gets to 10,000 people per day. It only has to be reduced to 7,500 people per day to reopen. So let's see. It automatically shuts down the border at at 5,000 unless the president doesn't want to. And then it automatically kicks in at 8,500. But if it gets up to 10,000 a day, all it has to go down is 7,500 people a day to reopen. And I'm not sure that any of this makes sense. So, uh... Most importantly, the matter of presidential discretion is the worst part. The bill allows the president to reopen the border any time it is in the national interest to temporarily suspend the border emergency authority for up to 45 days. In other words, Joe Biden can reverse all this anytime he wants. And yet he had the nerve to say this bill failed because of Donald Trump. All indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. Frankly, they owe it to the American people to show some spine. The Republicans have to decide. Who do they serve? Donald Trump 
and the American people, every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. Yeah, Trump did solve all of this. He did it with his uh, border wall, with his stay in Mexico policy and Title 42, which kept people out for COVID. And, uh, and this was, and our border was all secure until January 20th, 2021, when Biden was installed. In addition to, to the failure to pass a border bill, the other big fail this week was also concerns immigration. It's the House Republicans' effort to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, which failed in spectacularly embarrassing fashion on Tuesday. Apparently, it was quite a scene from the Associated Press on Wednesday. The stunning roll call Tuesday fell just a single vote short of impeaching Mayorkas, stalling the Republicans' drive to punish the Biden administration over its handling of the U.S.-Mexico border. With Democrats united against the charges, the Republicans needed almost every vote from their slim majority to approve the articles of impeachment. A noisy, rowdy scene erupted on the House floor as the vote was tied for several tense minutes at 215 to 215. Several Republican lawmakers, led by the impeachment chief sponsor, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, surrounded one of the holdouts, Wisconsin's Republican Mike Gallagher, who refused to change his vote. The failure came about because of the surprise appearance in the chamber of Al Green, Democrat from Texas, who showed up unexpectedly, having recently had surgery and wearing hospital scrubs and no socks to vote against the bill. Total photo, photo op, total, totally staged to make an impression on people that this is so important that I'm I'm barely out of the hospital and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stumble in here to make sure my vote counts. Although MTG and other Republicans focused on trying to change Mike Gallagher's mind, there were also no votes from Ken Buck of Colorado and Tom McClintock of California. Wait, wasn't Tom McClintock the guy who started the the recall of of Gray Davis? in our country and he was running for governor or in our state and and he was running for governor and was probably going to win until the the governor got in uh Arnold Schwarzenegger and now he's voting against this to uh impeach Mayorkas. I don't know, maybe Tom McClintock's just getting old and doesn't have that same kind of a uh, of a uh, fire in his belly. Maybe term limits would uh, help this. Then a fourth Republican, Blake Moore of Utah, flipped his vote to no seconds before the vote closed. Supposedly he did this because it's a procedural move that allows the conference to bring the legislation back to the floor at a later date. Schumer actually did the same thing in the Senate for the border bill. Another important vote that was absent was House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana, who is undergoing cancer treatment. Republicans say the hope is to bring the legislation to the floor again. Speaker Mike Johnson's spokesperson tweeted, House Republicans fully intend to bring the articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas back to the floor when we have the votes for passage. And Marjorie Taylor Greene gave a press conference to a gaggle of reporters. So do you essentially see this as an attendance issue and you're confident that when Scalise is healthy to come back to the Capitol, you'll bring this back and you will be able to impeach Mayorkas? It's basically two issues. It's several of our members need to think about things over the weekend. Uh, and then secondly, we look forward to having Steve Scalise back. And you're con- do you think that there's a chance that you can flip some of those GOP no votes? I mean, they went on the link taking this thing today. Do you think that they're going to change it? I would really love to see them go home and talk to their voters, the people that hired them to come here. Um, I know that several of them have very strong Republican districts, um, and I also look forward to seeing Steve Scalise come back. 
and then hopefully getting this done on the House floor next week. Does this what do you say? What do you say though to those three Republicans? There are four, but there are three who are no votes. What do you? How do you think they'll? The voters in their districts will respond to their no votes. Well, I think I'm sure they'll hear from their constituents. Uh, I'm sure they're probably hearing from them already. Uh, but I, I think they should listen to them, and you know that's what we do. We represent our districts. Yeah, I would hope. I would hope that uh, if you're in Tom McClintock's district, that uh, that you you message him this this weekend and tell him, "What the hell are you thinking? We need to impeach that guy. He's ruining. He's destroying our country. He's he's enabling. He's enabling uh, Biden to to uh, destroy our country. And of course, a lot of people, a lot of people, I heard before this vote that they said, "Well, you know." Is Mayorkas need to be impeached, or is he just following orders from Biden, and Biden needs to be impeached? Which we'll talk about more in a in a minute here. And I would think, with this slim of a majority, that the uh, that the that the Speaker of the House would time these votes when they know that all our all of our members will be there. You know, if Steve Scalise would have been there, that would have that would have uh, passed this thing. And if they knew he was going to be out that day, why did they vote that day? And what does Mayorkas have to say? At a Super Bowl press conference where he's getting ready for the Super Bowl, you know, Homeland Security, the big threats at every Super Bowl. Uh, in a press conference in Vegas this week, Mayorkas was asked about the impeachment effort. The allegations are baseless and I'm focused on the work, which was what brings me to Las Vegas today. Our Republicans have indicated they may hold another vote and they might uh, have the numbers at that point to impeach you. Uh, if that happened, would you consider stepping aside? No, I would not. Because no matter how how much we shame him for his crappy job, his incompetence, no matter how much we shame anybody in the Biden administration, nobody will ever step down. Nobody will ever step down because that's the Democrat way. Deny any allegations all the way up to all the way up to the to the to the last to the last inch. Just Deny, 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 and uh, hey, you know what? If I never, if I never admit it, then they can't ever come after me. And of course, if I never admit it, there won't be a sound clip of me admitting doing anything wrong. And half the country that watches CNN and MSNBC will never know about it because they won't even report on it. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Biden's failures this week, and uh, hopefully, I have time to talk about them. I'm doing them in uh, chronological order. Uh, two polls put Joe Biden on blast for low voter approval. One of them, NBC News poll, was a new low for NBC of 37%. And yet Joe Biden has misplaced confidence to say this at a Black History Month event at the White House. Look, folks, we will be back here next year. And this community is the reason why I'm standing here. Now, I would say uh, January 20th of, uh, of next year, you'll be out. You'll be out of the White House. And... Uh, uh, Donald J. Trump and his and his wife will be moving back in. And for the second year in a row, White House said Biden won't be doing any traditional presidential Super Bowl interview this year. You know, I don't know how many how long this has been going on, but I know since uh, certainly since George W. Bush was in there, every every year there's a presidential interview right before the Super Bowl. And of course, they can't let Biden do it because he he can't go off of teleprompter for longer than about two minutes. But he was in uh, Vegas nonetheless, campaigning for the Nevada primary, which, of course, he won for the Democrats, despite telling an antidote where he claims that he had a conversation three years ago with Francois Mitterrand, a French president who's been dead for almost 30 years. Then there was the matter of forgetting who the opposition is in uh, between Israel and Gaza. 
calling the president of Egypt, the president of Mexico, and several other sad mental misfires. Initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate. Right after I was elected, I went to what they call a G7 meeting. I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? There's been a response from the, uh, the, the, there's been a response from the opposition, but um, it, uh, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas. When I said, when I we pushed all these programs, I said, I'm going to be a president for everybody, whether you live in a red state or a green state. Making Roe v. Ward the law of the land. Roe v. Word, the law of the land. This guy is, this guy is out to lunch. You know, does does anybody know what time it is? Hey, does does Joe Biden know what time it is? Does he know what day it is? Does he know who he is? Does he know where he is? Does he know that he's president of the United States? I don't think so. And this isn't great timing for Biden because on Thursday, the special counsel, Robert Hur released a report that said Biden hiding classified documents didn't warrant criminal charges based on his poor mental acuity. Hold on a second. He can't have charges against him because of his mental acuity today. Of course, uh, well, let, let's say her wrote, wrote, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did during our interview of him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. Based on our direct interactions and with the observations of, of him, he is someone who, for whom many jurors will want to identify reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to con- to convince a jury that they should convict him by then a former president well into his 80s of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness. So wait a minute. He's mentally out to lunch. He doesn't know who he is, where he is, what he's doing, and he doesn't remember what year his uh, when his uh, son died. Uh, and and if you saw his speech, he said, "Well, you know, hey, every day since uh, since my son died, I've been wearing these." These uh these prayer beads from our our lady of uh uh oh and then he goes just just goes on he couldn't remember the the church where he got the rosary beads from that he wears around his around his wrist and so he doesn't have mental acuity today so he shouldn't be charged with crimes he did when he was a senator and when he was a vice president and uh, uh am I still the vice president? I mean, that's one of the comments he made to interviewers. Uh, am I still vice president? This guy is not capable. He's not mentally. He, if he's not mentally uh, capable of of uh, sitting through trial, how is he mental, mentally capable of being the president of the United States? You know, the when wherever he goes, there's that that briefcase that the Secret Service carry with the nuclear codes to set out to start a nuclear war. And this is the guy who's in charge of it. It's time. It's time for us to to uh, take uh, the twenty fifth uh, the twenty fifth amendment and take him out of office. And people will say, well, if we take him out of office, then we're going to have uh, Kamala Harris. How much worse could it be? Biden's not running the country. Somebody's running the country, but it's not Biden. And Kamala Harris 
I don't know. Maybe they maybe they think Kamala Harris wouldn't go along with the with the committee that's running this country, and people say it's Biden or uh, Obama, and uh, who knows who? Maybe it's uh, Obama. Maybe it's uh, the Clintons. Who knows who it is? It's somebody who's making a lot of money by uh, by sending money to other countries by by uh, sending money to uh, climate change. People are just the people in our government are just corrupt. And we need to drain that swamp. And the only chance we have for that is Donald Trump. So uh, this is this is just amazing. And when you think about it, when you think about it, Hillary Clinton destroyed all those records. She had her own private server with with uh, classified information on there that wasn't secure, that she wasn't allowed to use. And she's she's transmitting uh, emails on her BlackBerry, which is unsecured because it went to her server, her private server. And James Comey puts out a big report saying, "Hey, you know, she was uh, she was negligent. She was uh, she she was she did all this stuff she shouldn't have done. But I don't think a jury would convict her, and no reasonable prosecutor would would uh, would indict her. But then Trump has stuff that he legally took out of the White House because he was actually the president." And had locked up in his uh, in his home, and the FBI and was cooperating with the FBI, and said, uh, and the FBI said, "Hey, we just want you to put one more lock on that closet where they are." And they went into his home, told every told them to turn off the security cameras so no one could have proof of what the secrets what the FBI did, and they indicted him on that. And now they got Biden. Biden, who's in, during his speech says, "Hey, you know what? All the documents they found in my house were." in locked or lockable file cabinets. Really? How about those boxes sitting next to your Corvette in the garage? And you look at the pictures of them, they're all tattered and and uh, and wet and torn apart. They're not even closed. How are those secure? And of course, they found some papers in their dog bed, in the dog bed that were all soiled on. Wait a minute. How is this secure? But no, nah, we were not going to charge Joe Biden because no no uh, jury would convict him. Can you see where this is going, folks? Can you see where this is going? We need to wake up. We need to we need to speak out. You guys can't just listen to the, to what I say on the main event and say yeah, it's right, and then be quiet when your Democrat kids are at your house or when you're at their house. You need to start pointing this stuff out. You need to start pointing this stuff out so they can't just go well. Trump is going to be the end of democracy. Well, how is this democracy? You know, the law the law is supposed to be blind. And it's supposed to be the same for everybody no matter what your what your race, creed, color or your position in the government is. Nobody's nobody's above the law unless you're a Clinton or a Biden. So this clearly made an impact on Biden cuz Thursday night he had a a primetime presidential address to a, to a, to uh, react to it. These assertions are not only misleading, they're just plain wrong. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. Yeah, he said, there's no one in America that's more qualified to be the president of the United States and finish what I started. Yeah, what did you, what did you start? You started destroying our country. So Biden also put his press secretary on overdrive this week. How is President Biden ever going to convince the three-quarters of voters we're worried about his physical and mental health, that he is okay, even though in Las Vegas he told a story about recently talking to a French president who died in 1996. 
I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole with you, what? sir. What is We're going to go. Hole? Go ahead. He said go he ahead. talked to Mitterrand. Go ahead. You Spain. saw the president in Vegas, in California. You've seen the president in South Carolina. You saw him in Michigan. I'll just leave it there. Yeah, rabbit hole would imply there's some kind of conspiracy happening, as if the Republicans are making up the presidential's me- the president's mental issues. Clearly, they aren't. And one of them used his time with the press this week to make that point. That was Steve Daines of Montana, who said this after the weekly Senate caucus luncheons at the Capitol on Tuesday. Well, we weren't here on Groundhog Day, but uh, I was having some Jimmy Carter flashbacks on Groundhog Day because you start looking at the numbers. Joe Biden's approval numbers are now the worst of any president, even Jimmy Carter. You step back and look at why. Why have the American people weighed in on this presidency in a, in a very significant way, giving him the lowest marks of any president at this time as administration in 75 years? Look, President Biden inherited a secure border. The numbers, as was pointed out earlier, were, were in pretty good shape. He made it worse by reversing policies that President Trump put in place. Streaming illegals coming across, of course, the terror threat to our country. We've talked about it here almost every week. He inherited record job growth, record job increases, record wage increases. He made it worse working with Senate Democrats, unleashing a massive $1.9 trillion stimulus bill in early uh, 23 at a time when we knew darn well this was gonna create problems for this economy. He inherited a Middle East that was pretty quiet, thanks in large part to President Trump and the Abraham Accords, which have kind of been forgotten about. He's made it worse with his disastrous Afghanistan pullout, the spy balloon fiasco, projecting American weakness. The result, tragically, we had dead Americans in Afghanistan, and most recently, an Iranian drone strike that killed three. Let's be clear, President Biden's not up to the job, but the American people are smart. They recognize incompetency when they see it, hence Biden leading the race to the bottom on approval ratings. Yeah, great job, Steve Daines of Montana, in uh, summarizing summarizing, uh, the great job that Joe Biden's doing. Not... So anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week.